Welcome to Tag One Team Talks, brought to you by Tag One Consulting. With Drupal 7 and Drupal 9 rapidly approaching end of life, we are hearing people talk about migrating and upgrading more than ever before. And anyone who's ever been involved with a large-scale migration, migrating a large site or application from one technology stack to another, will tell you that it's complex, time-consuming, and it demands expertise. That's why we are bringing you the series of talks, diving deep into the world of Drupal migrations. And who better to guide us than TechOne's very own Drupal migration experts, from the masterminds and maintainers of Drupal's migration tooling to the individuals behind the most groundbreaking Drupal migrations, we've got an all-star lineup who'll cover everything you need to know about every aspect of migrating large-scale applications. This team talk is part of the three-part series about ETL, extract, transform, and load process, which is used by many enterprise migration systems, Drupal's Migrate included. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to use Drupal Migrate system to extract data from a Drupal 7 database or any other third-party source. Be sure to stick around to the end because we are also going to announce next few talks in our series. Let's dive in. I'm Janusz Zurevc, Senior Engineer here at TechOne and a longtime contributor to Drupal. I'm joined today by well-known top contributors to Drupal, Benji Fisher, one of the five current Drupal Migrate core subsystem maintainers, and Mike Ryan, co-creator of Migrate. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Um, here. <laughs> we are glad that you are here. <laughs> Present. Okay. For the beginning, let's uh, let's explain what ETL stands for. Um, like, where where does this concept come from, and um, what are other ETL systems besides Drupal Migrate? Mike, I'm sure that you have plenty of experience in this area. Yeah, um, I think the ETL concept really came from mainframe data migrations uh, back in the day. I have little doubt that many of them were coded in COBOL. Uh, my first introduction actually was before Drupal. I worked in uh, HR, human resources, information services for a hospital in Boston, and we were switching HR systems. So um, I was the primary person responsible for doing that migration, and that was a classic extract transform load. We would extract the data from the original system into CSV files, and I loaded them into um, Microsoft Access, where I created queries to transform the exported CSV format into the format for importing into the new system. And then you know, we'd export those CSV files and import them or load them into the destination system. So that was my first introduction to ETL. So access wasn't the final destination. That was just your, what you used for the transform stage. Yes. Um, we, we didn't have, you know, 
a database server to play with or anything like that in between. We're, we're basically limited to you know, Microsoft Office tools because this is, we weren't really a data center. We weren't engineers or it wasn't an engineering environment. I was a software engineer previously. But um, that I learned a lot. And then uh, around this time at a Drupal meetup in Boston, Moshe Weitzman was also there. And people were talking about trying to import raw HTML into Drupal. And, um, you know, Moshe looked across the table at me and said, you know, there's, there's an opportunity here which is when we got together to uh, start developing a migration system for Drupal. And of course, since we wanted to, and um, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but um, the original concept was importing raw HTML, but of course, you also want to be able to extract from databases or CSVs and so on, which led to the idea of a pluggable system. Uh, in spe specifically relevant to today's talk, uh, pluggable extract um, plugins. Did you did you have like a client or a website where you needed? to use this or was just like uh, you saw the opportunity and you decided that you want to build a system? Yeah, we, we started um, building a system. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the first, was the Economist the first client? I think there was there was one before that we had. Uh, this is feels like ancient history, like what, 15 years ago? <laughs> um yeah we, but we we saw the need we saw that sometimes um the drupal upgrade process could be difficult and so sometimes it might be easier to treat it as a migration rather than uh with update hooks as was the traditional method at the time yeah that that discussion i already remember yeah, I've been around for that. <laughs> that. That happened like when we were figuring out how people were going to be upgrading their Drupal 7 sites to Drupal 8 because it was so different. Yes, the, the update method of it prevented making that sort of massive change to Drupal, really, because there's no way you could really completely refactor the database um, schema using update hooks yes um so so etl stands for extract which is about pulling the data from the legacy source basically transform which is about processing the data along the way and then load um which is basically storing it into the destination system and uh, today's topic is e extract uh, so let's let's dive into that. Um, what is being done as part of the extract phase? And more importantly, how is that done in Drupal, Benji? 
So there are a variety of plugins. Um, you know, typically when or typically we're doing a migration from Drupal six or seven, and we have a database. So we have so we know a lot about the structure of the data, and there are uh, what we call source plugins built into Drupal. Um, the Drupal Migrate API has its, its own terminology. So the extract phase is called source plugins. Um, but the source can be lots of other things. If you're not talking about migrating from Drupal 6 or 7, you might have uh, a CSV source, just a spreadsheet, or a spreadsheet in some other format like Excel. Uh, you could have JSON. It might be JSON API, um, XML, or SOAP. Um, Someone suggested that you might want to import emails into Drupal, and then you'd have an IMAP formatted file. I've never seen that, but it's certainly something that could be done. And um, I, I do want to point out that the Migrate system can be used not just for creating a Drupal site out of some legacy system. It can also be used for recurring migrations. And typically, when, when you're doing that, this source is going to be any of those formats served over an API from somewhere else. And you might be importing articles or events, users, um, just an, any sort of content that you have um, in any external system and you want to get it into Drupal. Yeah, or you could use it with commerce, for example, and import um, products on an ongoing basis from some other system where that is the main source of truth for your products? Yeah, I've, uh, I've worked on projects that were using QuickBooks and we wanted to get information going both ways. We wanted to get, um, I guess, prices out of QuickBooks into Drupal and we wanted to get orders out of Drupal into commerce. And I think we'll talk about that a little later, um, or maybe yeah. in uh, in one of the the other episodes. That, I think that it's a more challenge. Episodes, yeah. The, the yeah. funny thing is that we ended up using the Migrate API for both directions, which uh, proves how well architected it is, in my opinion. Like the fact that you can that you can come up with use cases that are definitely not obvious. Um, proves how powerful it is. And I think that the main, or not the main, but one of the reasons why it's so powerful is that it's uh, architected as a pluggable system um, where you have different plugin types and then, then you can reuse code by implementing plugins and reusing them on different migrations. Um, and this is something I would like to ask you, Mike, um, because this is so core of the migrate nature. Um, did you did you know from the beginning that it should be a pluggable system, or how how did you decide that you want to architect it this way? Um, and maybe maybe you can briefly talk about which plugin types do we have, um, and yeah, why why it was done this way in the first place. Uh, well, I, I did allude to that earlier, and that is um, the original concept we were talking about importing HTML in uh, raw HTML pages into Drupal. But of course, once you're 
say migration for um, Drupal upgrades or side grades, which actually that was a common use case we saw where someone wanted to re-architect their site on the same version of Drupal and transform their um, content types. So anyway, um, at the time, this was before Drupal had a general purpose entity system and pretty much every module that had data had its own tables with their own schemas. So you, we needed to have distinct plugins, distinct sources for each of those, as well as to handle, um, occasionally you'd need to import a CSV file into a Drupal table or um, again, HTML. And once, once you start seeing things as pluggable, it becomes natural to just make everything pluggable. All the more so uh, since Drupal 8, which is um, entirely built based on the plugin concept. Yeah, like the idea of plugins was around even before. I remember like you had to, like C-Tools provided plugins in Drupal 7 world and even six, I think. Even uh, six? Uh, the, the, I think the views module had plugins. Right, yeah. It could be that even the the thing that was in CTools came from views and was then extracted into the CTools because CTools were a dependency for views, right? Yeah, Earl extracted uh, CTools from views, as I, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and then in Drupal 8, we got this... It was basically completely re, re-architected plugin system, and then everything moved to that. And uh, yeah, it's quite pleasant to work with, in my opinion. Right. Even um, plugins have plugins. You can have annotations or YAML, or I think there's a, right. a third way of, of specifying the, the plugin structure. You can always get very crazy about it. Yeah, we like when I was working on the uh, media initiative, um, we also used plugins a lot and made everything pluggable. Like sometimes when I when I look back at it, maybe we even made everything too abstract. And I think this Drupal community loves to make everything abstract and everything pluggable and you know not opinionated. And that that's very powerful, but sometimes it ends up in very complex systems. And now looking back, like I, I would I would do some things in a more simple way um, in the media ecosystem. But um, yeah, migrate totally made sense every all the time to me. Like I never had issues understanding how it works. So great job, Mike. Um, so we already mentioned that going from Drupal 7 to Drupal 8, uh, Migrate became part of Core, which is another proof uh, how powerful and how solid it is, um, which means that um, there is some basic functionality that ships with Drupal Core, but then um, we also have a huge number of modules or plugins in the contributed space, um, which can you know help you run more esoteric migrations. Uh, Benji, could you tell us 
what what ships with core and what is that mostly used for and what would we have to turn to contrib for right so in, in terms of source plugins for the extract phase um or provides the the API that everything is built on. So there will be some um, sort of base classes. There's a, a base class for a SQL source. Um, there's the content entity. Um, uh, content entity and config entity base classes. Um, but other than the, the basic things needed for the API, the criterion for being in core is that um, the migrate system was the way to upgrade a Drupal 7 site to Drupal 8 or later. And so um, the core migrations are almost entirely focused on that use case. So in terms of source plugins, uh, we have Drupal 6 sources and Drupal 7 sources. That's basically the only thing that is supported in core. So for your migration projects, getting your pre-Drupal 8 databases migrated into modern Drupal, um, that's what's in core. Anything else is going to be in contrib. Um, the, the only exception I can think of is the, the content entity, which is using the current database as a source um, so Mike was talking earlier about side, what did you call it? Side migrations? Side grades. Um, side grades. Right. So you, you can do that in the current site um, using the content entity uh, source and just loop through all of your badly architected foo content types and creating bar content types out of them. Um, so for any other source plugins, we, we have to turn to contrib. There is the migrate plus module, which is maintained by, um, by Lucas Heading, one of the, uh, one of the other maintain current maintainers of, of the migrate API. So that's sort of considered core adjacent, um, things that seem generally useful, but don't meet the criterion for being in core go into there. So there is um, uh, a source plugin there for SQL table. And then uh, really generic, there's a, a URL source plugin. So anytime you're getting something from an API, you're, you're going to be using the URL plugin. And then the Migrate Plus module introduces its own plugins. So we, we know what the API is. Um, we need typically some sort of authentication. So there are authentication plugins. Um, we need to um, fetch the data and then parse it. So there are three systems of plugins tied into the URI, I'm sorry, the URL plugin from MyGate Plus. And then there are uh, a bunch of uh, more specialized contrib modules. Um, there's one for CSV files, one for other spreadsheets like Excel. Um, there's a module devoted to um, Drupal Commerce and uh, both earlier versions of Commerce and I think some other systems like Magento are 
um, are handled by that. There's the WordPress migrate module, um, which is a specialized XML source. The idea there is you export your WordPress site to XML, which WordPress provides that functionality. And then we import the XML into Drupal. Um, there's um, a just to note, there are other systems that um, implement the WordPress XML schema. So not just WordPress, but there are certain other, I can't remember which off the top of my head, that use the same uh, XML schema. So you could use the WordPress migrate to import from those. Well, I didn't know that. So no uh, reason to use WordPress anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a views migration module, and that's something that we just decided in Drupal core was too hard. There are too many variations. Contrib modules can make their own views plugins. And we just didn't think there was uh, a reliable way to, to migrate views from Drupal 7 into modern Drupal. There's a contrib module that attempts to do that. Um, use it with care because it is a hard problem. Um, don't expect it to be um, the final answer to migrating your views, but it can at least give you a start. Um, and I, I just saw yesterday looking at the list there, there's one that migrates playlists from YouTube. Um, so so lot, there are a lot of these specialized source plugins in contrib space. The, the YouTube one could be used for uh, like incremental migrations that we mentioned earlier, right? Like if you have a, a YouTube channel and you want to pull the videos that you upload there into your Drupal site automatically, you could use that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I suppose there, there might be some sites that would want to download the actual videos and they, they could do that. Typically we leave the videos on YouTube, let YouTube do what it does well and, and migrate the, the metadata of playlists. In, into the Drupal yeah. site, and 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 that would be recurring as as you make new playlists, as you add to the playlists, you'd want to import the new data. Yeah, it, you could have a, um, a cron job that runs the migration. It's amazing, like how thriving the contrib is, and you know that's usually the case in Drupal. But you know it amazes me over and over again how many things developers come up with and you know the ideas that people have is just mind-blowing like sometimes you you run into things that that you would never think about and yet somebody thought about it and had a need for it um it's it's really truly amazing um so i personally have done a few migrations in my career but they were mostly uh Migrations from third-party CMSs. Um, I worked a lot with media companies, and a lot of times media companies would have sometimes even internally developed CMSs. And uh, in one of the projects that I've been involved with, they realized that that is not sustainable, so they decided to... First, they decided that they want to go with something open source, and then they decided to go to Drupal. Um, so we had to migrate from that, and we were basically using the equal source plugin loading data from the third party legacy database and then importing into Drupal. But I'm pretty sure that Mike and Ryan, you have uh, more 
more interesting use cases that you've experienced uh, throughout your career. So can you talk about that? Oh, um, really would have to <laughs> do some archaeology on my memory to dig that up. Um, you know, what one interesting use case, I can't remember exactly what project it was, but where there was associated data that the primary content was in a database, but there was associated content which needed to be um, pulled from a web API. So the um, source plugin, the source plugin has hooks that you can implement to add to what the raw source plugin does. The source plugin in produces one row of data equivalent to an SQL row at a time. And you can implement the process row hook to, to add to it within the source plugin. So you can read the additional data from an API or CSV or so on and add it to that row before it goes into the transform part of the pipeline. Interesting. How did that affect performance? Because I assume that if you are calling APIs on every row, that can slow the migration down quite significantly. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it really depends on the source. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, if you're pulling from a local file, not so bad, or, but if it's a web API, then that will slow things down. Sure. And, and as long as we're mentioning, you... as long as we're mentioning the the process row step, that it's it's worth mentioning that in a Drupal to Drupal migration, um, there are a lot of fieldable entities in Drupal six or Drupal seven um, content types with fields on them, for example. And we we structure it the same way. We have the base table that gives us the say the node IDs if you're migrating nodes. And it produces uh, you know, a bunch of rows, and then we use that that same process row stage to attach all of the fields to that row one one row at a time. Yes, and, and although I I said that it's equivalent to an SQL row, but it's um, a logical row. It, in an SQL row, you're going to have um, scalar uh, values. Um, while the row, the um, row object that we're passing through, we can have multi-value fields in there. So mm -hmm. in the prepare row, the um, if there are associated fields with multiple values, those can be extracted in the prepare row and plugged into an array as a member of the row that's going to go through the pipeline. And then the rest of the pipeline knows how to handle uh, arrays and how to process each member of that array within the value. Benji, I heard that you migrated a single page into several nodes in the past. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Yeah, this, this was kind of funny. It was part of uh, uh, a migration from Drupal 7 to Drupal 9, I think. 
and uh, and most of it was pretty routine. But they also had one page which looked like it was a fuse listing of some person content type. And each person had uh, several publications and they had a picture and so on and so forth. Um, but in fact, it, it wasn't from structured data. It was one Drupal 7 basic page um, with 10 or 20 of these um, things that looked like, like, like nodes um, just pasted into the body field. And uh, we decided we were going to restructure it and make it what it looks like and have a, a person content type with, with structured data on it. Uh, but we had to extract it from this page. Since it was only 10 or 20, and this is the funny part, I said, you know, get an intern, have them copy and paste. You will spend as much of the intern's time as you would spend of my time. Um, and, and the interns would be a lot cheaper. But they said, no, 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 we want to do it automatically. I said, okay, this will be fun. <laughs> and uh, as far as the source was concerned, um, I, I just downloaded that page once and put it into the, uh, the directory for, for the custom module we had for migration. Um, I ran HTML tidy on it to make sure it was well-formed XHTML. And uh, and then I used the, the URL plug plugin that I was talking about from Migrate Plus and, uh, and one of the XML data parsers from Migrate Plus. And, and, and I guess the important thing to mention is that um, even though it was not technically structured data, it was just one page of HTML, it did have consistent structure. So every section of the page started off with an H3, um, and directly beneath that, there was uh, an image. Um, so there, there was enough structure there that I could reliably pick it apart and create fields on the, uh, the person nodes that I was creating. That's very interesting. And the interesting part is that you've been able to use Contrib and not have need for custom code with that. Right. Did, you, did you use XPath? Uh, to to parse that markup or something else? Yeah, and anytime that you're parsing XML, and, and I, as I said, I created XHTML. And so anytime you're parsing XML, you want to use XPath, which um, I'll, I'll have more to say about in the uh, episode on the transform or, or process plugins. Which, uh, which will be the next episode in uh, this mini-series. Um... So definitely join us again for the T part of ETL, which is transform. Um, besides this mini series, we have some great talking coming up. Um, our goal is to put one episode per week over the next few months um, to support the community in the migration process. Um, we will talk about performance because performance is something that we care deeply about at Tag One. And it applies to migrations as well, because when you are handling really large data sets, a full data migration can easily take like 12 hours or sometimes even days. Um, so we'll do a handful of talks on this topic, including on how to profile and tune a migration, including long running migrations. And uh, we'll also talk on incremental migrations, which we touched on in today's episode already. 
um, how you can include or exclude things and run a migration or subset of data to make it faster. Uh, then um, every project owner wants their migration to be a success and we will dedicate an episode to discuss the most important factors for a successful Drupal 7 to 10 migration in order to help you successfully navigate your migration project. And other topics that we will cover in the future include porting custom code from Drupal 7 to Drupal 10, the future of migrate tooling, how to port the team, and so much more. We hope that you'll tune in and enjoy our upcoming team talks. A huge thank you to our Tag1 team, Benji Fisher and Mike Ryan. Thank you for joining me. Make sure that you check out the other segments in this series. Uh, there will be links to them in the show notes, along with all the other links that we mentioned today. If you like this talk, please remember to upvote, subscribe, and share it. Um, you can check our past talks at tag1.com slash TTT. That's three T's for Tag One Team Talks. Um, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback and any topic suggestions. You can write us at ttt at tagone.com. Again, that's three T's for Tag One Team Talks. A big thank you to both our guests and to everyone who tuned in. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>